Well, to shift gears a little bit, we're going to be talking about missionaries and sending out missionaries in a manner worthy of God. I'll be reading from the shortest letter of the New Testament, the letter of 3 John. Since 1892, the Coca-Cola Company has been around. Their mission statement is to refresh the world in mind, body, and spirit to inspire moments of optimism and happiness. The goal of Coke is to refresh the entire world, and to their credit, they have made impact on almost the whole world. 97% of the world has heard of Coca-Cola, and over half of the world has tasted a Coke. $2.9 billion is the amount that Coke spends on advertising and marketing annually. That's more than Apple and Microsoft combined at $2.2 billion. The Coca-Cola Facebook page has more than 17 million fans and 42 million likes, which is the most of any other brand in the world today. And on average, over 10,000 soft drinks from Coke are consumed every second of every day globally. That's a lot of caffeine and sugar, isn't it? Well, we can learn a lot from Coke because what made, has made Coke so successful is the leaders of Coca-Cola, they believe in their product and they want the whole world to experience and taste their product. They want the whole world to know about their product. As Christians, we can learn a lot from them because we have something that's even better than any other product that this world has to offer. We have the absolute truth. We have Jesus Christ. And what we're called to do as believers is to send out missionaries and to tell the whole world about Jesus Christ so that the world will know and experience what true optimism is, what true happiness and contentment and joy is. And it's found in none other than Jesus Christ himself. As we look at the letter of 3 John, we'll learn about this man named Gaius. Gaius was a, a friend of the apostle John, and Gaius was committed to two things. He was committed to truth, and he was committed to world missions. So let's look now at 3 John, and I'll read the first eight verses. It reads, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. What we see in these eight verses of 3 John is we see that Gaius was committed to two things. He was committed first to truth, and then he was committed to world missions. 
Gaius, we don't know a whole lot about, but the name Gaius was a common name throughout the New Testament. It's, there's a number of different Gaiuses as you read through the New Testament. This particular Gaius, we don't know a lot about, but we do know a few things, that he was a pastor or a leader of a church, that he was under the authority of the apostle John, and that he was committed to the church, to Jesus Christ, to the truth, and to world missions. John wrote him this letter after hearing from missionaries from his church that he sent to see Gaius. Gaius didn't know who these missionaries were, but Gaius, he supported them. He showed great hospitality and love to them. And when the missionaries came back to deliver a report about Gaius to John, they, they, they basically gave glowing reviews of how Gaius and his church were doing. They were saying that Gaius was walking soundly in the truth. He was holding tightly to the word of God and he was living by the truth of the word of God. And when the apostle Paul or when the apostle John heard this message about Gaius, he was ecstatic. He was so excited because he realized that Gaius was consistently walking in truth. We as believers, we can learn a lot from these verses about Gaius because it's a reminder to all of us to be consistent in our faith, to walk faithfully in the truth and to stand by the truth. I don't know about you, but whenever I meet with you or with other pastors in the community or, or with other missionaries who are from around the world, whenever I hear reports about their faith, it brings me great joy and encouragement. Whenever I talk to you and I, I hear that you're standing up for truth in the midst of a, a chaotic society that we're living in, it fills me with joy. It fills me with joy because I know I'm not alone, but I have others who are like-minded standing with me for the truth. And I absolutely love talking to you and hearing what God is doing specifically in your lives and how you are uncompromising in truth. As we're living in these crazy, chaotic, disturbing times, it brings me great hope, great joy, knowing that you're standing up for the word of God and you aren't wavering. You're not allowing the cultural peer pressures of the day creep into your lives and make you drift away from God, but instead you're standing firm to God's word and to God's truth. Some of you have adult kids that are pressuring you to cave in to accepting the cultural trends of the day. Some of you have close friends or even coworkers that are tempting you to just cave in and to drift away from God's word and to accept all the, the cultural chaos of today. But I'm pleased to be your pastor and I'm pleased to know you because I know that you're standing up even when it's hard. I know that you're speaking even openly to your adult children who you disagree with. And I know that's awkward and uncomfortable and hard. I know that you're standing up against your employer even or employees or even friends to say, no, I'm not going to accept things that are contrary to God's word, but instead I'm going to embrace God's word and I'm going to stand by it. I'm gonna be uncompromising in truth. And I am honored to be your pastor and I'm honored to have these conversations with you and it fills me with joy because I know I'm not alone, but I have other like-minded believers who are right there with me. 
It doesn't get better than that. It's incredible, too, to hear about missionaries who are like-minded and all around the world doing, doing work that's incredible for the glory of God. It's encouraging to talk to even local pastors who are like-minded. It fills me with joy. And just as John was filled with joy when he heard this glowing report about Gaius' faith, so you and I should be filled with that same kind of joy and excitement when we hear about the incredible work that God is doing in each one of our lives. So we can learn a lot from Gaius and that he was committed to truth. And I would encourage each one of you to stay committed to the truth. The second thing that we learn from Gaius is he was a man who was committed to supporting world missionaries. As the text goes on, we see here in verse five, beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. Gaius was not only uncompromising in truth, he was also unwavering in love. He loved the truth and he loved people. And he specifically loved and supported missionaries. We know this because they were strangers to him, but these missionaries were ministering for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. Those, so these were specific missionary Christians who came to visit Gaius. And what did Gaius do? But he welcomed them into his home and he welcomed them into his church. He showed great hospitality to them. Hospitality is a key theme throughout the New Testament. It's mentioned a number of times. I'm just gonna touch on a few verses. Hebrews 13, two says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. 1 Peter 4, 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Romans 12, 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Look at that one again. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. We aren't only supposed to contribute to the needs of each other, the saints, but also to those who are doing ministry for a living the saints, the missionaries who are called to go to an unreached people and to tell them the love and the truth of Jesus Christ. We are called to contribute to their needs and to show them hospitality. You know what I love about Gaius is he, even though they were strangers to him, he welcomed them. And every year at Christ's Covenant, we have this thing called a missions conference. Two years ago, we did a one weekend-long missions conference. We realized that wasn't enough, so now we're doing a month-long missions conference. That gives you plenty of opportunities to show hospitality to our supporting missionaries. And hospitality can mean a number of things. It can mean you could literally invite them into your home. It can mean you invite them over to your house to, uh, to, sh to share a meal with. It can mean you take them out to coffee or lunch so that you can hear what God is doing in their lives and also how you can pray for them specifically. All of us are called to support our missionaries and to show them this kind of hospitality. And instead of just getting one of those refrigerator magnets with their faces on it and putting it on your fridge and forgetting about it, or instead of just simply reading a quarterly report that they send out to us on our website, I would encourage you to do so much more than that. I would encourage you as you open up the fridge and you see them, pray for them right then and there. 
I would encourage you to, to think about them regularly and pray for them regularly. I would encourage you to email them, maybe send them written letters. Who does that anymore? But send them a written letter just to tell them, hey, this is what God is teaching me. I just wanted you to be encouraged by what I'm learning from scripture. And I hope that maybe it would encourage you. These are things that will really help our missionaries to continue doing what they're doing. They need our support and they need our hospitality. They need us to contribute to their needs and for us to seek to show them hospitality. Gaius not only showed these missionaries hospitality by welcoming them into their home and to his church, but he also sent them out in a manner worthy of God. Look again at verse six. John told Gaius, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. What does it mean for us to send missionaries out in a manner worthy of God? Well, I believe this means we should be generous with our support. Our, our support should be abundant, and we should aim that they seek to lack nothing and that their needs are met. To send a missionary out in a manner worthy of God means to send as high as can be imagined. It should not be of secondary importance to us, and it should not be done in a shoddy manner, but it should be done in a manner worthy of God. John told Gaius to be a sender, and he says to send out these missionaries in a manner worthy of God. The whole phrase, sending out in a manner worthy of God, it's mentioned nine times in the New Testament. And every single time it's mentioned, it's in a missionary context. I'll give you two examples. 2 Corinthians 1.16, Paul wrote, I want to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. He's saying, Church of Corinth, I'm going to come and visit you and then I want you to send me out. He's not just saying, I want you to wish me well and pray for me and send me out. He's saying, I want you to help support me so I can go do the work in Judea. Titus 3.15 says, do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. Zenos, a Christian lawyer. Apollos, we know as an evangelist and, and as a um, missionary, they were sent on their way. And Titus was told, see that they lack nothing. In other words, we don't just simply need to put their prayer cards on our refrigerators and forget about them. <laughs> We need to do so much more, and we need to support them abundantly. Now, why do we need to support missionaries abundantly? Well, John goes on to give us three reasons why. The first reason John gives is because missionaries have left everything for the sake of the name. Verse 7, for they have gone out for the sake of the name. Missionaries are called by God to go to a land or to a place that is foreign to us and to tell basically an unreached people group the truth about Jesus Christ. In order for them to do that effectively, they need us to support them effectively and to meet their needs, even in an abundance. And here's what I would say. We don't just simply need to send our money to genuine humanitarian concern. Although sending money to genuine humanitarian concern is important, 
What I would say is, we need to make sure when we send our money with missionaries that they're ministering to people both in word and in deed. They're not just going there to meet a humanitarian need. But more importantly, they're going there to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. And they're ministering to people in word, in the word of God, for the name of Jesus Christ. So as we support our missionaries, we really need to make sure, are these missionaries in love with Jesus? And are they proclaiming the truth of Jesus instead of just simply meeting needs, physical needs? Both are important. But what we see in scripture is, as we support missionaries, we need to make sure they're doing the work for the sake of the name of Christ by ministering to people in word. If we support missionaries that aren't ministering for the name's sake or aren't loving Jesus, then why are we doing it? And it will eventually lead those missionaries to burn out. Hudson Taylor, he was a great missionary in China. And as he was gathering a team of people to go with him to China, he had a number of interviews with these potential candidates, missionary candidates. And he would ask them the question, okay, what do you think, missionary, soon-to-be missionary, will keep you on the field long-term with me? And he said, some of the missionaries would say, well, Hudson, it, I'm going on the field, and I think this, will what, this is what will keep me long-term is because of the Great Commission. After all, Jesus told me to go and make disciples of all nations, and so, by golly, that's why I'm going. Another, another missionary candidate said, Hudson, I'm going on the field because I don't want people to go to hell. And so I'm going because I have a passion for the lost. Although both of those were really good answers, Hudson Taylor looked at them and said, when the going gets tough, I don't think you're gonna last on the field. And they said, well, what do you mean? And he said, the main reason why missionaries stay on the field is because they love Jesus Christ. And if you love Jesus Christ, and if you are committed to him, you will last through the trials and the sufferings. You will make it. I bring this up because as we support our missionaries financially, we need to make sure they're doing so for the sake of the name of Christ. And we also wanna encourage them to continue loving Jesus Christ. Because if they don't love Jesus Christ, they won't last. And I'm pleased to tell you that our missions committee does a great job interviewing potential candidates and also following up with our current missionaries. We support 27 missionary families all around the world. And our missions team does, does an excellent job making sure that our missionaries are ministering for the sake of the name. As we think about missionaries and how they've left everything for the sake of the name, we also need to be reminded that paying them is important. Because in 1 Timothy 5, we read, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. 1 Corinthians 9, 14 reads, in the same way the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Missionaries are ministering for the sake of the name of Jesus. They should be supported to do that full time. 
So that's why, as we look at letters like 3 John, as we look at other texts like Titus 3.15, we're reminded how important it is to meet the needs of our missionaries because that's how they make a living. The second reason why we are to support missionaries is because the people they are reaching will not financially support their work. Verse seven continues, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Missionaries, they go to places where they interact with people who know very little about the Bible, if anything at all. And so how how should we as Christians expect non-Christians to support their work, especially if they haven't really heard the gospel or if they haven't really been changed by the gospel? What John was saying to Gaius is he's saying, Gaius, these missionaries need financial support because they're going to a Gentile region of non-believers and pagans and heathens. And we can't expect these pagans and heathens to support them financially. And so you and your church need to help support them financially so they can reach these pagans and these heathens. After all, these missionaries are going to these non-Christians to give them something and not get something from them. Could you imagine if a missionary went to an unreached people group and right when they introduced themselves, they said, hi, I'm Seth Hammond and I represent Jesus Christ. And before I tell you more about him, can you pay me some money and then I'll tell you more about him? No, it doesn't work that way. So again, it's important for us to support financially missionaries because they're going to people who know nothing about Jesus and we can't expect them to support these missionaries. The third reason why we need to support missionaries is because when we financially support missionaries, we become fellow workers for the truth. Verse eight, therefore we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I want you to hear something. When we support missionaries financially, it's as if we're going with them. Let me say that again. When we support missionaries financially, it's as if we're going with them. Charles Spurgeon, he had a great prayer about missionaries, and he asked God to use every pence he gave that he might go as a fellow worker with those missionaries around the world, spreading the truth of the gospel. God may not be calling you to go to an unknown land, or to go and be a missionary. But he calls each one of us to support missionaries' efforts. Because after all, as we support them, it's as if we're also going with them. William Carey, the great missionary of India, he said to a body of people one time, he said, I will go down if you will hold the ropes. I'll go into the caves. I'll go into the places where you will never go but you must hold the ropes. I'll go down if you'll hold on. I'll go if you're here holding fast, holding tight. God calls each one of us to be rope holders. He may be calling you to be on the other end of the rope and to tie it around your waist and go. But those that go, (laughs) they need us to hold on to our end of the rope. Because the moment we let go would be the moment they fall. So Christ's covenant, let's be like Gaius and let's be committed 
to the truth of God's word and let's be committed to world missions and be rope holders for these missionaries who are ministering for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. Our primary way of supporting financially our missionaries is faith promise. Our deacons now are, and our ushers are gonna hand out these faith promise pledge cards. And I wanna just tell you for a second, for a moment here, what faith promise is. Faith promise is giving that is done beyond what you can afford. And your leadership here at Christ's Covenant, we get the idea from faith promise from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, which reads that the Christians gave themselves as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. Your plenty will supply what they need. Faith promise, it reflects our personal commitments and it is our giving that is above and beyond our tithe. It's a way that we give specifically to world missions. I wanna remind us that faith promise is a faith commitment and you promise only what you believe God will give. So we don't want you necessarily to fill this out right now. We want you to pray about it this week and ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me give that's above and beyond the tithe? And you might be saying, well, I don't know about that, but I would challenge you to really pray about it and make a faith commitment. And you'll see, I believe, you'll see God do incredible things. You might have your expenses decrease. You might have your income increase. Or you might simply give sacrificially. But that's what faith promise is. God tells us to excel in the grace of giving. And this is how we can excel in the grace of giving. Again, this is our primary way that we support our 27 missionary families. And our goal this year is to raise $275,000 so we can continue to support our faithful missionaries. So please this week, take some moments to pray over what you believe God is pressing on your heart to give. And in both services next week, we're gonna give you an opportunity to commit your pledge to the church and, and to the Lord. That, that helps us also from an accounting perspective on how we can continue to fund our missionaries when you fill out your pledge cards. If you, if you won't be here next week, I encourage you uh, to, to just give online or make the pledge online or you can bring your pledge the following weeks as we're gonna be accepting pledges uh, and pledge cards through the entire month of March. I, I'm pleased to tell you, Christ Covenant, that the 26 years we've been around as a church we have never missed a payment to our missionaries, not once. And so I don't wanna start that trend where we would eventually have to have them miss a payment. So let's continue to give sacrificially and cheerfully and abundantly as we know what our missionaries are doing are for an eternal cause. And so let's all continue to send our missionaries out in a manner that's worthy of God.